0: Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically The show where I, Jeff, go through every single one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies In chronological order And I've done it for 50 weeks this is 51. And oh boy, have we got a movie for you? And I say we because I'm not alone. I'm joined with uh, by Eric from the Gaming Nexus show, GamingNexus.com, youtube.com, all of the places. Welcome back.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to be here as usual. It's like my favorite, oh. my favorite thing to do, man. I
0: just love it. I appreciate that. Um, now, you were on for Rear Window and Vertigo. Was there anything else?
1: Nope. Those were the only two. Okay. But, that would be the but I mean, if you're going to pick two, you you've those done are, well so for those yourself. are some bangers. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I told Elliot bangers. last week. Now, you haven't heard this yet because it hasn't come out yet, but Elliot recorded uh, Topaz with me last week. And I told Elliot on the Torn Curtain episode that he did with me that he's fared pretty well. He got to watch North by Northwest and Psycho, arguably Hitch's best films. And then Torn Curtain, Paul Newman, Julie Andrews, not a bad flick. Oh yeah? Oh
1: really? Yeah, oh, that's cool.
0: And so he came back for Topaz, and he just rolled the dice one too many times. <laughs> Topaz is one of the worst movies I've watched for this show. It's wow, truly boring. That being said, we watched Frenzy this week and call it any number of adjectives but there's one that will not apply and that is boring. This movie is far from boring.
1: No, that is that is that is very true. Um yeah, I I I don't I don't even know where to begin with this movie. Let's let
0: uh, let's begin with the rating, okay? Now, I I I don't know when the modern rating system happened. I mean, PG-13 uh has only been a thing since what the late eighties? Yeah, I think late eighties. Yeah. And then the Mid R 80s. rating and PG as we know it. I don't remember when that came out.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know, uh early seventies, I would say. I mean I, I'm Clearly sure. Clearly the seventies. to find out, right? Because yeah, this is seventy two. Yeah, the seventies at some point. Yeah. And this is Hitchcock's only R rated film well deserved
0: and i mean he, like he doesn't <laughs> he waste his that opportunity r. yeah and I, I there's part of me that appreciates someone who's like well if we're going to get an r let's get let's a hard go for r. broke yeah just yeah. and i think that's kind of what shocked me with this is that i've watched 50 hitchcock films and relatively speaking they're kind of tame yeah they're yeah, probably I mean, at points
1: like, I watched Vertigo with my eight-year-old in the room for most of it. And, you know, it's like she was just bored and wandering around and not paying attention. That's me. Uh, but, uh, you know, like, there's nothing in some of those movies that, you know, either won't go over a kid's head or, you know, would be terribly disturbing to to a kid in the room. Um, but, yeah, this one was definitely a uh, after the kids have gone to bed uh It'll make sure they're
0: asleep so they don't wander down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: texted. So there's a scene in the movie and we'll get to this. But there's a scene in the movie after I watched it, I texted Eric. I said, "Make sure your kids are asleep uh before you watch this one." Um So let's get into it. Uh,
1: yeah, let's 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 just get into it. Let's, I guess let's just start Let's at talk the about some
0: pros. Because to be honest, there's a lot of them. Specifically, I think all I can't think of one, but all of the performances in this movie are quite good. They, yeah, they are. I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for for uh, Hitchcock film, you know, like he keeps his melodrama pretty mellow. You know, like there's there's not a lot of uh, like serious emoting or overacting from from the performers in his films it seems like uh, nobody goes over the top yeah. in, in his in his films t- too often except for maybe arguably Jimmy Stewart at points but it, the ones I've watched at least um so like it very much felt like a film of its time you know like there were there were points with the the primary, a uh, guy, the main guy, and I'm, I'm spacing on the character's name, not Rusk, but the other guy, Blar- Blarney? Blarney? Blaney. Blar- Blaney? Richard yeah, Blaney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I kind of felt like maybe he should
0: be reacting more to what was going on around him. Like, uh, like well, yes. There's one <laughs> like, very specific moment I'm thinking of. Like, shit was going,
1: like, things were going down, you know, and. and and he's just like rolling with the punches, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, no. I think by now you should be freaking out a little bit. Like, I agree. Like, yeah. So, so, go ahead. In that aspect, like, like the
0: performances were good, but maybe like the direction seemed a little weird to me. You know, like, and I think I'm coming yeah. from the the mindset of a guy who just watched Topaz, where no one emoted, and it was yeah. it was super deadpan the whole movie, and it was so boring that when I got to this and right away, before you get anything truly troubling, uh, the, the acting is at least energetic. Uh, our lead, yes. uh, who's played by John Finch is very charismatic. I find him to be relatable. He runs into his friend, Rusk, who's also just charismatic. Um, and then he's got various characters around him, like Babs, played by Ann Macy. Very good. Uh, yeah. There's a guy named Clive Swift who comes in who's just a goober, and I kind of love him. Uh, there's Bernard Cribbins is in this, and he plays the bartender. I, he's super familiar. Mostly, I think he was in, um, was he in Doctor Who? Is that where, I? you know, I, I couldn't place him, but
1: I I also recognized him. Maybe he's just one of those character actors that just shows up in a bunch of stuff.
0: Um, And there's a meme. There's a meme of him, like, crying. Like, if you search old hmm. man crying, and you get a gif of him, like, waving someone by and and weeping. Um, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So he's super familiar. Um, And then there's Barbara Lee Hunt, who plays Brenda, who I think does a great job. And she's, is that the wife? That's the wife, the ex-wife, That's the right? one, yeah, the ex-wife who runs yeah, yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah. dating thing. So, right. The movie does start off right away. I, I appreciate that. A There's like a, I don't know, <laughs> like, what do you call this? A guy preaching.
1: Yeah, well, I wanted to talk about the opening shot, too, because the opening shot is, I guess, a helicopter shot? Like, it has to be a helicopter shot, right? Going down the River Thames in in London, right? And Bring we're getting drones. a real, yeah, we're getting a real like nineteen seventies like shaky helicopter shot. I'm here for it, it and, man. It, and, and like it's kind of like like tilting one way and the other as they're going, but you're also getting this like pre Ferris wheel built up for tourists view of what the river looked like 50 years ago Mm -hmm. you know and so that was it was kind of interesting because i was like look at this this is just industrial stuff you know like there's just like docks and boats and mud you know like it's not it's not like this you know little shops and cafes and you know the big wheel and you know it was it was definitely like you know this is what it was like when they were working in this area of the river. So it kind of comes down. It goes through the bridge, which is a famous bridge in London, but I'm not 100% sure which one it is because there's like 10 of them. It's like right? the
0: Tower Bridge or the London Bridge
1: or yeah, something. And if if the, the, the drawbridge is up and the helicopter kind of flies right through that and it swoops down off to the side and then down to the side there – there's a crowd of people, and there's a guy, like maybe it's the mayor, yeah, and, or uh, or a police guy, and he is like talking to an assembled crowd, which is maybe some press and maybe just some like and Alfred Hitchcock, and Alfred Hitchcock and his cameo, and and some just some interested citizens, you know, uh, you know, and they are all uh, talking about. What is it? The neck necktie murder. Right? Yeah. The
0: necktie murders. There's been a string of w- women who've died and uh, they've all been killed via strangulation with a necktie. And uh, one of these bodies washes up on shore fortuitously enough as they're talking about the next necktie, necktie murders completely nude. And this is the first now blatant nudity in a Hitchcock film. I say that as um, there, I swear, back in, um, I want to say, oh, which movie? One of the really, really early movies, I want to say Rich and Strange, there is a brief moment of nudity that I don't think was intentional, but in this, it it was either that or it was an early silent film, and it might have been Easy Virtue, I can't remember, but... Um, go back and listen to the catalog; it's in there somewhere. Uh, and that's the first time I I'd seen nudity in a Hitchcock film. And I was like, oh, like, and now I was like, oh yeah, this is an R rated film, huh? I wonder how bad yeah. it's gonna get. I I, it, <laughs> I found out. It is a
1: yeah. So it's a, it's a fully nude woman floating face down in the water, and the crowd's reaction is interesting because it's almost like they're like, oh. There's there's a show. Like, we weren't expecting to see, you know, a naked dead lady. Let's chatter on about murders and how Nobody great they is are.
0: Nobody's <laughs> shocked. No one, one is, is totally like, into it. oh, no, dear God, someone help her. Everyone's like, whoa, another one. Another one. This is getting good. <laughs> great. I actually got this. I'm a part of history. <laughs> Now
1: you can just imagine if they had phones, they'd be pulling out their cameras. Oh,
0: <laughs> totally! Snapchat no features. one would be calling the police; they'd be filming it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Now I can't even remember where we go from here. We've got uh, John Finch. I think, I, I think it jumps to to uh
1: our main character. Uh, doing shots at the bar, like I think. That's, oh, right. yes,
0: th- thank you. That's, so
1: that's what comes next. Like he comes, he comes into the bar and it's empty, and he's just like, you know what, It's time for shots. It's eight in the morning, and so he like just wanders over to you know the bottles and starts pouring himself
0: doubles and downing them. Yeah, and he works at a bar that's ran by Bernard Cribbins, Felix Forsyth. And he works there, but he keeps drinking the the booze. And uh, apparently, this has been a running thing. and He gets fired. Uh, but we're also introduced to Babs Milligan, who is a friend of Richards, who also works at the bar, and is kind of sick of Mister Forsythe's garbage at the same time. And yeah, he, she has a crazy line. Like so, so she's kind of dating. Our main character. Are they dating and, at this point? Like they certainly yeah, are maybe. later on in the film. Yeah, I, maybe. They might just be friends with benefits. Um, yeah,
1: there's, there's something there's something between them, and and the owner of the bar is like, he's no good for you. He's no good for you, and she. He's not wrong. Turn. <laughs> she turns to him, and she says something like, "Neither are you. You keep fingering me." Oh, did right. you catch that? I did like, catch what that. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, does this mean something different in England? No, it's <laughs> it's what you think. You're my boss. You keep fingering. Me. Uh, yeah, I, it's like, oh, oh dear, that's probably not appropriate. Like,
0: oh, that's that's, that's poor workplace behavior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the end of it, friend. So, John, after he gets fired, he he leaves. And he's, he's given a couple bucks by he, maybe he, oh, he had a few bucks left and he went to go drinking and he runs it to his friend, um, uh, Robert Rusk, Rusk who was played by Barry Foster, who's this blonde guy. He's got a nice suit on a tie with the letter R that's like a tie pin. And he runs, uh a it's fruit a grocery stand. <laughs> store.
1: Yeah, he's got like groceries, and there seems to be some shipping involvement. Sure, like, and he's very stuff proud of trucks of his grapes, They're bringing stuff in on trucks.
0: Yeah, he's very proud
1: of his grapes. Yeah, and he de- he definitely like he seems like he has it all together. Yeah, he's and, he's like,
0: the opposite of of our protagonist, who is everything's falling apart. He's losing his job, Rusk. Has a good job. It looks like he's running the place and he's dressed well. He's got tips on horses. He, I got a guy. I know a guy. This horse is definitely going to win. 20 to 1 odds, man.
1: And- yeah. And he's like, hey, hey, buddy, you need some money. Like, I know you're down on your luck. You need some cash. I can give you some cash. And, and our guy's like, nah, nah. I'm good. I don't need anything. I have, I don't know what he has, like seven pounds in his pocket. So he Not can go much. To do some shots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so he gets grapes. (laughs) He gets grapes. Yeah. Russ gives him some grapes. He's like, here's some grapes. Eat those. So our guy takes the grapes. And then I think from there he goes to the bar and just proceeds to like spend the rest of his money on drinks. Right.
0: Yeah. He. he, Yeah, exactly. He spends his last bill. I don't know what kind of a note it was on drinks. And then he goes to visit when you're drunk out of your mind. Who better to visit than your ex-wife? But real quick real quick before we move on from
1: him drinking in the bar while he's drinking in the bar he's sitting in the window and at the bar there are oh, two yes! two chaps two gents two two charmers i'm not quite sure like maybe one's a cop and one's a reporter this is like, exposition central but uh... yeah i'm not 100% sure like who they are and it doesn't matter cuz they don't come back but these two guys stand there for at least eight minutes, yeah. kind of giving exposition about the necktie murders. Oh, he, he gets them and he chokes them with the necktie and and it's a good juicy murder like we haven't seen since Jack the Ripper and like we're both clearly like way too into it. And the, the real disturbing part is there's a bar lady, a lady working at the bar, and she says something like, oh, right. I, I heard he rapes them before he kills them. And one of the guys' response was, well, at least there's a silver lining. Yeah. I guess it ain't all bad. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, man.
0: <laughs> this movie. So, in the whole time our tags in the background- And they're chatting it up. And I know that this scene is Hitchcock thinks that his audience are all idiots and they need everything explained out. But I'm pretty sure you've got a guy talking about the necktie murderer to open the movie. They find a woman dead with a necktie around her neck. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't need the scene with the dudes like
1: outside of like the very morbid entertainment that it offered. You know, I did kind of like zone out a little bit because I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, I get it. It was you a know. bit ridiculous. Yeah. So then he leaves and he's all hammered. Yeah. And he goes he goes to visit his ex wife.
0: Yeah. And his ex wife is brilliantly portrayed by uh Barbara Lee Hunt. I I really like her performance in this movie, and she gets a lot that she has to work with. And I think this was actually more shocking to me this is going to be a spoiler oh well if you're familiar with psycho janet lee's character dies at about the 30 minute mark 40 minute mark and i thought that this character was going to be around a lot longer because she was given so much to work with and yeah there was character development
1: she had a an interest. Okay, like number one, she has an interesting gig. Yeah, you know, like she runs her own business. She runs like a a dating matrimony match up business for lonely heart Londoners. Right. Uh, she has like an employee. Like it's it's her own deal. Like she she owns it and runs it. Um, she has an interesting relationship with her ex husband. It's not it's not like this terrible. Uh, rancorous thing, you know, yeah, like it's, they still I, seem to I get like along it. pretty
0: well. Because he goes there and he says, it's been a while since he's seen her and she sees he's down the ups. And I think, and I think she still cares for him. She doesn't hate yeah, him. Certainly not. She doesn't hate him. And let's, let's be frank at this point in
1: the movie, he's not the most likable dude. Yeah. Like, like he's been, you know, like he got fired for a reason. Like the bartender is kind of a jerk about it, but like, he was doing what the guy thought he was doing. You know, he was stealing drinks or whatever. Um, And he wanders around. He's he's just kind of unpleasant. And he continues that when he shows up at her office. He's kind of unpleasant to her her, uh, receptionist person. And then he comes in and he's just, like, unpleasant to her too, you know? And he starts kind of, like, you know, just banging around and and
0: Yeah. He they mentioned being kind of
1: aggressive, like not violent, but yeah. just like verbal verbally aggressive, you know, with his unhappiness. Right.
0: And they mention domestic violence to establish that he doesn't commit domestic violence. He may be an angry alcoholic, but he he goes so far as to say, you know, I've never laid a hand on my wife and to emphasize that he smacks the desk, which we find out right. later is misconstrued as A beating but she takes him out to dinner slips a couple bucks in his pocket which he doesn't find until he's sleeping at the salvation army and just these rows and rows of cots uh where another homeless person next to him tries to steal the money and he's like oh my ex-wife left this for me so it just really I like the character. like I'd I'd want to be friends with this person. They've got a good head on their shoulders. She's an entrepreneur. Yeah. She doesn't hold any bitterness against her ex-husband. She has compassion for him. Well, and she handles his nonsense really well. Yeah. Like she she
1: she's got like this kind of just calm demeanor. She doesn't let him draw her in. You can tell she's kind of used to him, you know, and, and uh she she just doesn't she doesn't get caught up in his bull you know even when he's
0: making a scene at the restaurant she she takes him to a restaurant and he makes a scene which doesn't help him in what's about to happen no yeah
1: (laughs) he's just behaving like just a, a drunk jerk you know at the hospital and he's he's essentially mad that he's just so down on his luck you know and I, I didn't at that point realize how down on his luck he was until he like is sleeping at the salvation army in the right of tots like i was like oh dude dude is homeless yeah. like and he really was spending like his last money on drinks and uh so yeah he's, he's just kind of bitter that you know, he, he hasn't had better fortune. And in, in it's already been established earlier in the film through dialogue that he was kind of a war hero. Like, he was a pilot in the war. I'm guessing, I don't know which war. This is 1972. So, some, he's a veteran. He was a, he was a pilot when was in Vietnam? the Royal Air Force. That he was, was 70s, the 70s, but it would have been yeah.
0: after this, though. I don't know. Yeah, uh, of course, I don't know English history enough to tell you what war there was for them. Yeah, yeah me either. But um,
1: but you know like he, he's he he at his core has done some good good things with his life before it all kind of fell apart and he just became the angry alcoholic. Yeah,
0: he and now. he's even not yeah. a like they do establish he has a temper. He finds out that the horse that he got a tip that was 20 to 1, he finds out that horse did win and then he's really angry about it. And so they do establish he's, he has a temper, but he's
1: not He smashes his grapes.
0: Yeah, which is just the worst thing that happens in this movie. Those poor grapes. poor grapes.
1: That's
0: why it's rated R. Yeah. (laughs) It's a terrible abuse of grapes. For fruit violence. Violence against fruit. Well, I guess we put it off long enough. One of the proprietors of this Lonely Hearts business that sets up dates for singles is none other than uh, Richard's friend, Robert Rusk. One of the customers. Yeah. One of the customers. Uh, And he goes there looking for love. And... um, (laughs) I guess you could say that. That's Well, so apparently, and you don't find out exactly what this is, but he's a man of particular taste when it comes to his uh, expeditions in the bedroom. Uh, They don't say what exactly, but from what i gather it's like a bdsm sort of thing.
1: Yeah, i think i think they even hint at it more strongly later when the cops are talking to the receptionist. But yeah, essentially he is looking for a match that will let him abuse her.
0: Yeah. So trigger warning right now. Yeah. Ab- yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. uh descriptions of sexual assault incoming. Uh yeah. look at the timestamp if you want to skip it.
1: So, so essentially, you know, he, the, the, the wife, the ex-wife is there by herself and he shows up and the receptionist is out to lunch and he starts saying like, I I want you to help me. I want you to help me find someone. And the ex-wife is like, no, no, we told you, you got to go. Like, we are not going to help you. We're not into people like you. This is not, this is not what we do. We're
0: looking to set people up for, uh, Long term nice relationships, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a lonely heart thing. We're not looking to hook up, you know, like dark web style relationships here. Yeah. So
1: he becomes more and more agitated and aggressive and she becomes more and more nervous. And and you can tell she starts looking for a way out. She's like, oh, well, I, I forgot I have to be somewhere. And he's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, Oh, the, the receptionist is gonna be back soon. And he's like, Ah no, I locked the door outside, she can't get in. And she's like, Oh, I have to make a call. And she picks up the phone like she's gonna call the police, and he like slams, you know, slams the phone back down. No, you're not doing that. And you you can tell, like This is getting bad fast. We're we're it's getting ready to go. Yeah. So I mean, there's 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 no reason to beat around the bush. He somewhat graphically for for
0: even okay, like, so I've seen worse sexual assault scenes in movies. Specifically, oh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is probably the worst.
1: Yeah, Monsters Ball, uh, Deliverance. You know there yeah, are like there's numbers of more. There um, are more brutal sexual assault scenes, but I but, don't
0: know that any of them predate this. And. And it's heartbreaking because she tries her best when she realizes, okay, I'm not getting out of this. Well, I'll just let you do it. And he's like, no, 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 no. And like the last thing that she tries to preserve is her dress. Just please don't tear my dress. Okay. I'll take it off for you. And And he rips it. And he rips it. And to me, it was like, even though obviously in the grand scheme of things, your dress is not. Um, doesn't matter, right? If you can ruin your dress and get away from this guy, do it. But that she had given up so much on being able to be free of being assaulted that she, the last thing she could think to be concerned about was her dress and still didn't have the control to prevent that from happening. Um, yeah. And then he proceeds to rape her. And yeah,
1: in 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 a super creepy way.
0: Yeah, he's
1: the lovely. Yeah, he's lovely. just lovely. Yeah, he's saying he's, the word "lovely" over and over and over again. It's super creepy. And, and I okay, so let's let's time out here for just one yeah, second on, 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 on the plot. There was okay, so there's there's a point where it turns. And it ceases being sexual assault, and you realize, oh, okay, he—he he is the guy. He's the necktie murderer. I mean,
0: and he's—it's time ty- figured it out yet?
1: Yeah, it—it <laughs> it, it goes from sexual assault, assault into like murder. Yeah, you know? and he's it just,
0: happens as far as I take it because it's not that explicit. But once he's finished, yeah, um, his mood changes, and he starts to blame her.
1: Yeah. And, and then and then he starts to he people's he eye and he chokes her out. Yeah. And at this point, I was thinking like, like, I, I can understand, you know, that the resignation that she felt, you know, during the assault. And and, and and I understand the psychology behind like, but when he starts like killing her, I was shocked that she didn't start like gouging and fighting like. Yeah, she kind of just lays there and takes it, you know, and and it was kind of like uh, to, to the point where I was like, eh, this is starting to feel unreal. Like, <laughs> like, 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 I would think that anybody, anybody would fight to survive a little bit, you know, in this situation. And, and that's where, like, kind of the fact like, OK, this is just kind of Hollywood ish crept. back in in. and and, And then
0: right before we leave the spoiler warning area they cut to her being dead and after we've seen this intense scene that's very disturbing you cut to one of the goofiest unintentional faces you've ever seen she's been sexually assaulted and murdered and they cut to her and her tongue is out and it's clearly like all the way to her the side the side and it looks ridiculous.
1: It it does look ridiculous.
0: And even if,
1: even if that's what someone's face looks like after they've been choked to death, and I don't know, it could be tongues pop out. Yeah. Even if that's what it was, I I could like you can't help but just be like, oh geez, you know, like, yeah, kind of laugh at it. And it was like, oh, like, that just why really didn't... like kicked the knees out from underneath the scene, you know? Why like, didn't
0: someone look at that and say? Mm, let's take another one with your tongue in your mouth. Right, maybe tuck tuck your tongue in. Let's yeah. try a couple things out. See which screen test's a little better. This was a one and done. Now we got it. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: uh, yeah, so so the wife then you know obviously is not in the movie anymore. And before we move away from her, I do want to mention her nineteen uh, seventies makeup because, as usual in these films the makeup man it was just slaying me like she's got <laughs> she's got this kind of like shine to her i don't even know how to describe it i don't know if i've ever seen it in a film before or since you know it just seemed like such a weird period choice i mean, maybe it was of its time maybe women in london in 1972 were super shiny but well and i it think
0: too is so from what I understand, to film a Technicolor, you have to be in a very brightly lit area, and so I think that that contributes to the shine. Okay, uh, that that's interesting. My understanding of it is that when you do Technicolor, it has to be very brightly lit to be able to get it because of the earliness of the technology. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, maybe they just needed to bring the powder person in and kind of powder. Yeah, up a little more. It mean, so worked a little better. So
0: uh, if you've skipped with the time code, welcome back. Um, We'll try to keep it above board from here on out. Now, after this event happens, so spoilers real quick, this character gets murdered. So after this happens, our protagonist comes to visit his ex-wife, who we now know is dead inside. But, But he can't get in right cuz the door's been and,
1: locked cuz the door's been locked so he just turns away and leaves but as he is coming back out of the doorway the receptionist is coming back from lunch and she sees him kind of leaving from the doorway yeah so so then i think okay so then she goes in and she finds you know that that the ex-wife has been murdered and it's kind of a it's kind of a funny little shot because it shows it for it stays on the outside of the building and you see Forever. her going through the doorway. Why does it take that long to
0: get inside?
1: The camera just hangs there for a while and two ladies come walking from the other direction and then you hear the screen from the inside and the two ladies look at each other and like, what the hell? And they just like kind of keep going. They don't help. They don't, they don't stop to help at all.
0: Yeah, and I actually at this point in the movie, I think they've done a great job of establishing why our protagonist is going to be the main suspect in this murder. And they've done a great job of stacking the evidence against him in a believable way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, so receptionist then calls the cops and the cops come and she's like, Oh yeah, I totally know who it was. It was, you know, the ex-husband. He was here the other day. He was drunk. He was hostile. I heard, I heard, you know, him slapping her around when it was actually him slapping the desk. Right. You know. Um yeah, and so the cops immediately are like, Hey, we got our guy. And not only for this, we've got the the necktie murderer. Like he's
0: the necktie murderer because he's all own. this
1: on him. Right. Yeah.
0: And 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 what I like is is that if I'm that police officer, yeah. Ex husband oh, totally. He's been yeah. here. He's uh, an alcoholic. He's homeless. He's, you know, like, this is the guy. This is and, perfect. <laughs> and I think they did such a great job of making that happen and, and be believable. Where um, later on, there's some logical jumps that seem a bit ridiculous to me, um, mostly because he has terrible friends who could solve everything for him and they don't and they don't yeah. yeah which is hilarious so he uh he's not really on the run yet
1: yeah so i think what happens is they they put it in the paper that they're looking for him right they've got the description of him they talk about his jacket which is a very distinct jacket with leather patches on the the elbows and shoulders and weirdly enough cuffs. Did you notice that the leather uh, I did not see, I just saw
0: the ones on the shoulders and I thought that was hilarious. I'm used to the yeah. elbow pads. Um I like his outfit. Um It'd be a good Halloween costume. Yeah. I'm not dressing <laughs> up as anybody from this film. I'll stick to Norman Bates. <laughs> so so
1: he, I think he he sees the paper or like somehow like he gets hip to the fact that that they're after him. And so doesn't he go and
0: find Babs, isn't that? Yeah, so he goes. And I don't even know that he knows that they're after him yet. Because he finds Babs. Let me think.
1: Like, Babs Babs thinks for a while that it's him. So just to refresh everybody, Babs is the woman who worked at the bar with right. him. He kind of had a thing with, right? So there's this long scene on a park bench right. where where he's trying to convince her that he's not the killer. And she's like, now you are. You're the killer. Like, again. for sure it was you. Right. And he's like, no, no, seriously. Like, I was sleeping at the homeless shelter. Smell my jacket. Like, it smells like I was sleeping at the homeless shelter. And then she's like, well, where did you get the money? And he's like, oh, my ex-wife must have slipped it in my pocket. And, like, the police noticed that money was missing out of her purse.
0: Yeah. And, so, again, and they later you know, find it, and it has the same kind of makeup that you were talking about on it. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, the powder. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, again, like the evidence is just kind of stacked against him. And so finally, he just has to resort to, like, she was my ex wife and we were buddies. Like, why would I kill her? You know, like,
0: like, yeah, he's not going to get insurance money. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they were already divorced. There really was no reason. He had no motive um, to do this. So they actually, Babs and him, get a hotel room together. And um, this is where they clearly sleep together. Either that or they both sleep in the nude. One of the two.
1: Yeah, they, they clearly sleep together because then there's a gratuitous Babs getting up to go to the bathroom for no reason. There is no reason in the film, story-wise, other than just to show Babs naked, I think.
0: Yeah, and I don't... and I um, Don't ask me why, but I, I notice body doubles, and uh, clearly a body double, and I think... Uh, the nudity in the previous scene was a body double as well. Body double also. Yeah. Um, and I uh appreciate that. I don't like the feeling that actresses are being pressured into doing something they don't want to because they want to make a film and especially just, by Hitchcock who's notorious uh, for pressuring women into doing things that they don't want to oh, do. Go listen to the Tippy Hedron episodes. Um yeah. yeah just so um but people who are professional and and used to being in front of a camera without their clothes on. All about yeah. it. Like, Great. Perfect yeah, solution. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so they, they
1: get this hotel room. And as they're going into the hotel room, the guy is like, man, my suit just reeks. And so he, he gives it to the porter. Like he literally strips his, his clothes pants off, off. Takes his pants <laughs> off. He gives it to the porter. He's like, dog, go have these cleaned, man. Like this, this smells, you know. Um, which then, of course, again, the police are like, well, it's kind of strange he wanted to have his clothes cleaned so quickly after he did these murders. It you all know, like, fits together. It all fits together. He's the guy. So after the hotel, they run into the friend. They go. Like- so
0: they're walking through the park again. Right. And this guy with the biggest teeth ever sees them. And he's oh hey guys, hey, how's it going? And he I guess knows uh Robert from is it Robert Richard from Robert's the other guy, Robert Ruskin.
1: From knows- the from the from the Air Force, right? Like he's a he's a war buddy.
0: Yeah, that's what I gathered. And he's married yeah. to um a debutante. I I mean she lives in this beautiful apartment. Uh she, and- she seems to hang out in her nightgown. <laughs> yeah, she's not up to anything. But she is totally, so you have two, this married, question mark, couple. Yeah. Who one of them is very much like, no, he's my friend. He's innocent. And the other one is like, no, he's a murderer. Get him out of our house.
1: Yeah, like hardcore. Like, she's like, I hate this. You're horrible. Because, like, the friend brings him home, and he's like, hey, buddy, you can just (laughs) hang out here. Like, don't worry about bringing a fugitive. We'll figure it all out. You can skip town. I'll tell you how to get out of the country. You can come work for me in France. No problem. Everything's cool. He's super helpful
0: until it gets in his way. Right. We'll get to that.
1: (laughs) And so, like, Babs is there, and he's like, you can come, too. You can both work in my bar. It's going to be fantastic. And meanwhile, his wife-slash-girlfriend is like murderer! You're harboring a murderer! He did it! He's horrible! And the guy's just like, no, buddy, don't worry yeah, about he's her. he's not you, it. you can sleep on the couch. It's no problem. And so then Babs is like, bet. Let's go to France and get out of here. Get, get away from this murder thing. I'm just going to dip back to my place, which is above the bar where she works, and get my clothes, and it's cool in the gang. We're just out. We're just going to escape. And yeah. so... He stays and he sleeps on the friend's couch, despite the fact that the wife, like, hates it, that he's there. And he's
0: got a murder on her house. She's, listen, and she's not the dumb one, okay? Because, in all honesty, she's right. Oh, she's totally right. Yeah, (laughs) she's (laughs)
1: like, we're going to get in trouble for aiding and abetting. At the worst. Even if he's innocent, you're aiding and abetting. Right. Yeah, and, like, the guy's just like, nah. We're (laughs) good. It's fine. It's my buddy. You know my buddy. So, uh, so Babs leaves, and she goes back to the bar to get her clothes. And while she's there, Rusk is there because he hangs out at the bar, too. All the neighborhood friends hang out at the bar. Yeah. And so he's there, and he's just jovial and charming as ever because everybody loves Rusk, and he loves everybody. You know, he's he's just Best beloved. grapes in town. Best grapes in town. He's beloved by the people. And uh, I forget exactly basic, what it is. She has like, a fight
0: she, with the bar owner. And right. quits and leaves and she's upset and she's like I'm going to France whatever dude, but
1: she can't go right back to, the the friend with the angry wife's place and so she needs like a place to crash right
0: right and so Rusk um as we of course know as the necktie murderer offers his uh h- home as a place for her to hide out till morning
1: right and, yeah that that's it
0: yeah and uh. Well, this doesn't go well for her. Um, no.
1: So he, he charms her and he's kind of chatting her up, and they're walking happy back to his place. And the camera kind of follows him up the stairs to his doorway. And then he says, Either way, Babs, I don't know if I've ever told you, but you're my kind of girl, which is precisely what he said to the, so the last
0: person he murdered.
1: Yeah. And so, like, then you're know, like, oh, God, that's it.
0: And I for love Babs. Love. Oh okay we, we
1: gotta talk about it like the extensively. The camera,
0: yes. I I don't. I once in a while, Hitchcock does something where you're like, finally, like best
1: moment in the movie. You've done like, it. Best best moment in the movie. Like like and, and this is like one of those moments where I was like, okay, I see I see why he's considered like a virtuoso. Like like just this moment. Almost made it worth watching the entire movie. So Rusk and Babs go in, the door closes behind him and the camera like tracks slowly back down, like down the hallway and kind of turns around and goes back down the stairs and it's just silent and then as it gets closer to the door to the building, like you start hearing noise from outside and then it goes through the door and it pulls out into the street. And then you really hear all the neighborhood noise. And and like, you know, the effect that they're going for and it works like a charm. And that's to let you know no one's going to hear her scream.
0: Yeah. Like, it's, you know,
1: no one can hear what's going on in that apartment. And, you know, she's done for.
0: It's masterful. And it, it really is. Yeah.
1: Like, like it It gave me chills when it happened. I was like, oh, God damn, that was good. Like, that was, like, really, really a, a, a spectacular, almost show off Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was just showing, and, and it's something that I, Hitch is guilty of not doing enough, and that showing, not telling, where we know what's happening. We don't need to be handheld into what's happening in that apartment. And... And almost like the audience themselves are leaving, and they're unable to help. And I think it's just so brilliant, and it makes me wonder why, in other parts of his work, he's so handholdy and explaining everything to the audience. We can look at Vertigo, and we talked about the scene where they explain the rest of the plot, or right. in Hitch or uh, Psycho at the very end, where they have like a twenty-minute scene just telling you what you already saw. It's not, it's just better to not say anything. And I think. Yeah. Yeah. This, and and
1: we, we were already clearly shown what this guy does. Even you know, before
0: like, the camera pans out and leaves the the building, you already know it's over.
1: Yeah. And. Absolutely. And, and there's like no reason to retread, you know, what went on with the ex-wife. And so. Yeah, it was just yeah an astounding moment. Like like one of those, like, I'll remember this for the rest of my life moments in film. Yeah, You
0: know, it was really, really good. It's one of the best shots in any of the movies I've watched. Yeah. Um. So Babs is a goner. Ba- Babs is gone, sadly. And again, something I got to say is they did a great job of creating the character. She's likable. She's fun. She's a great match for our lead um fun loving couple like they would have a blast overseas
1: both uh, both of the women victims in this movie right, women characters um are portrayed in like very likable
0: ways yeah you know? like, like we're going like, to be definitely, with these characters for the whole movie
1: yeah he definitely gets the audience to invest in the characters i always say the difference and this isn't necessarily a horror movie, it's more like a suspense thriller, but I always say the difference between a good horror movie and a crap horror movie is that a good horror movie takes the time to establish the characters and make you care about them as human beings, and then puts them through the ringer. Yeah A bad horror movie just puts cardboard
0: cutouts and starts chopping: I wouldn't them call those bad. That's fun <laughs> That's candy. You wouldn't eat that for a meal. That would be your dessert. But, yes, so It, the new version of It, Chapter 1 with the kids, I love it. I wanted all of them to survive, and that's what made it so thrilling. I, yes. But I also enjoy watching Jason slay a bunch of 20-somethings. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I get your point. You're right. But, yeah. you know. Friday the 13th is still good. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. (laughs) For for people
1: that don't watch horror movies, like recently we were talking about Halloween Kills at work, and there's a woman who doesn't watch horror movies, and she saw that, and she was like, what the hell? Like, why do people watch these movies? And I was like, well, that's not exactly the best example of a horror movie. There are other ones I could suggest where you would be a lot more involved and care more as he's walking around hacking people up. You know, it's not just a meat
0: grinder. Yeah, like I, you know, I'd so. push him maybe towards the scream. Instead. Yeah. Scream is yeah. a much more I love scream. I um, love scream two. Yeah. Scream two's all right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love scream one. <laughs> all right,
1: we've we've gone way out. We've yeah, gone, where are way, we? Way okay. Off, way off course. So so at this point, our protagonist is sleeping on the sofa at Buddy's house, right? And so the whole movie shifts over and becomes the rusk show for like a half hour yeah and
0: it's not great frankly um i think it so he disposes of babs's body in the back of a potato truck throws her in a potato sack puts her in a potato sack with some
1: potatoes humps her across the street chucks her up over the end of this truck and closes the truck and he's like problem solved nobody's going to know where this dead body came from in this potato truck at my grocery store
0: no right problem. there's no links <laughs> whatsoever so it's already tenuous when he goes upstairs and he's cleaning himself up he's like oh the letter r pin the r that he has on all of his ties is which gone. which has been has been like
1: graphically shown yeah, over and over it and throughout is, the movie it is established it is, is his trade pin all the time and he's like oh damn where's my pin
0: so he he uh he pulls uh, he's like okay i gotta go back out now because he now knows that babs it's probably with her body and so they spend like a half an hour (laughs) i don't know if that's true (laughs) but boy it feels like it of him riding in the back of this truck trying to get this pin back and right, he, so
1: he goes back, he crawls into the truck, the truck's still not moving, and he's, like, trying to dig her body out of the potato bag, which, in my eyes, was way more complicated than it needed to be. It was like, come on, dude, it's just a bag. Like, you got this. You got you her can, in there, which I think you can do it. maybe harder. And he's, like, rolling around at the potatoes, like, flopping, not able to do it. So then, like... The guy who drives the truck comes and gets in the truck dr- truck and starts driving. So now he's in the moving truck with the potatoes rolling around and the dead body, and he's trying to get the body out. And she's got rigor, and so her foot keeps kicking him in the face. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's peeking out the back, and there are cars, like, lighting him up. He's like, oh, shit, they're going to see me back here. And uh, so, so essentially, like, he eventually gets access to her hand, and she's clutching the pin in her hand. And so since she has rigor mortis, he then breaks all of her fingers one by one and gets
0: his pin back. Yeah, and they have stopped at like a diner, and uh, he goes in and cleans himself off and somehow gets home. Not sure exactly how.
1: Yeah, he leaves the bed of the truck open, though. And so then when the guy oh, starts right. driving away, he starts driving away with the truck, then the potatoes start falling out. And uh, I think... As does the cops, Babs. The, yeah, the cops kind of... He goes past some cops and they see the dead body like flopping around One leg in the back of the truck. swinging. Right, right, right. And so then they pull him over. And when they pull him over, the body rolls out of the truck and then the cops almost run it over. And then they're like, you know you're the killer, and then it's quickly established that he is not the killer. Right. Like, they're and, uh, able to
0: to ex- get him excluded pretty quickly, but here's another dead person who's closely tied to our protagonist. Right. The problem is, is that our man has an alibi for this murder. He's been at old Captain Teeth's house with his wife, his girlfriend wife, lady, and he... Hasn't I like, okay, this is what you were talking about, maybe about his performance, right? This is exactly what I so was talking about. he hears that not only his friend and wife has been killed and they're looking for him, but now his other friend, Babs, has also been murdered by the Nick Tide killer of all people. And his, he's like, oh, no, he hangs his head. But then his, <laughs> his good buddy Clive... That's the actor's name, uh, says to him, hey, this is your alibi, though. You couldn't have done it. You've been here with us. And, and he's they, like, know,
1: they know what time she died, and you were definitely here. Because the wife is like, oh, no, he did it. He did it. And the dude's like, no, no, Buddy couldn't have done it because Buddy was here with us. And, you know, he for sure didn't
0: do it. And we we could be his alibi. Yeah. Not only could we be, we are his alibi. We're good friends. We would let our buddy down. <laughs> Angerball
1: Wife is like, oh no, we're totally letting him down. Yeah. Like, no I way! Don't I, I, mean, we I don't understand
0: this part. That we were
1: hiding him out. Like, no way! Absolutely not! We're Listen, get but in he's trouble. innocent. And now. We, and and we have to go to France. Like, oh, we that's don't have time. The big thing. We don't have time for this nonsense. We have to go to
0: France. Yeah. So like, they're like, let's go right to the, now. Our, our protagonist's like, let's go to the cops. You can clear me of this second murder. As my protagonist. Or as my, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Alibi. And they're like, and his buddies, his friends like, yeah, man, totally. And his wife's like, no, <laughs> because she uses some logic. Say, hey, we've been harboring this guy. We might get in trouble. I don't think you will now because he's clearly not the guy. But anyway, they are going to France. And when she brings yeah. that up, he's like, oh, yeah, we oh, are yeah. going to France. Sorry, buddy. We're going to France. Got <laughs> like, to the court. Good work with that murder. <laughs> they're in the court, and they go. We find you guilty of murder. <laughs> they let him hang. I can't believe this.
1: Because they had to go to France. I mean, they're it, like, it's re- they they were expected, Jeff. They they had they had things on the calendar yeah, they had to do. Think
0: <laughs> this might take precedent. I've never had to be somewhere so bad that I've been like, no, I can't get you off for being wrongly convicted of murder. I think I could clear my calendar. Uh, I mean, you don't have a bar in France,
1: though. So, okay, you know, I mean, that I know of. you that, might. I don't know. No, that's a but, fair point. That's yeah, true. Yeah, so yeah, I'd there might be the some bar. obligations there that you just can't, you know, get out of it's to so, help buddy. So he goes to jail for no reason whatsoever. Now he's totally convicted. Off to jail he goes. So I, I think it blew the, my uh,
0: mind, Eric.
1: <laughs> yeah, it kinda of blew my mind too. My wife is just sitting on the other sofa just looking at me during this part <laughs> <like, laughs> with these people. But I do I do think we need to just take a brief second and and touch on and we don't have to spend a lot of time with it because I think the movie spends way too much time with it. But I want to talk for a little bit about the
0: murder detective and his wife and her cooking classes. I like it. It's a little bit of comic relief. We've we've seen some rather intense things, and uh, boy, she cannot that, cook, bro.
1: <laughs> in between in between all these scenes with Rusk and the potatoes and the murder and the sleeping on the couch, rusk and the potatoes, buddy and the angry wife, rustic,
0: rustic, Ru- uh, rusk? whatever.
1: There's something there. Yeah. Uh, they keep cutting back to the police detective as he goes home every night and he talks to his wife about the case. And earlier on in the movie, it's established his wife is taking cooking classes because he's at the police station, like, eating an English breakfast. Like, just
0: this is the big, only beautiful breakfast. <laughs> it's the only real food I get because my wife is taking these cooking classes. Just beautifully cooked eggs. Gigantic sausage. Just a wonderful looking meal. He goes so home. <laughs> he goes home. And he she got this dinner. serves him... Gray mud with fish heads. I don't know <laughs> what this is. That's so gross. She's got it's got like fish heads
1: floating around in it, and like little squid things, and like it's it's just horror. It looks like something that people would eat on Alone. Have You ever watch Alone? like that show I, where people? I've go heard of Alone. in the wilderness. Like they eat some gross stuff on that show. This is what it looks like. They're always eating fish head soup on that show, and like it now was, you'd never see her eat it. No, no. It, it, like, he kind of like makes some overtures that he's eating it. But in reality, he's just like spitting it back into the pot and like taking fish heads and like thumping them back into the pot when her back is turned. And she's like, so, well,
0: I'll eat mine in the kitchen while I prepare the second course. And I got a feeling it's going right in the trash and she's not even eating it. Because yeah. later on in the movie, she actually tastes something she actually made and she pretty much spits it out.
1: And then she gives up the second course which just
0: like quail quail in grapes right
1: <laughs> the, like, the quail didn't look that bad like, it looked like, like it might have tiny, been a little tough <laughs> it's like the size of a robin
0: <laughs> he's yeah like
1: trying to cut it with his uh fork and knife but the, i mean the whole point of these things is that he's like working through his process you know and while, she the whole time is like well really- i
0: don't actually believe you have the right guy right um and she and seems it- kind of dingy but she also seems kind of wily. Yeah. You know? She's like, like, I don't actually think you got the right guy. And then he starts to question the motive. He's like, well, normally you need a motive and a motive. We couldn't find one here. And then they start kind of wanting to research some things. Um, right. It's how how did to he these, happen upon Rusk? I can't remember. It's due to these conversations with his
1: wife that it kind of gets his wheels turning. And he starts thinking about, you know, other possibilities. And, Oh, how did he? I remember how he nails Rusk. I remember the evidence that he used to nail Rusk. Um, but I don't I don't remember quite the turn that it took to make him pivot in his thinking towards Rusk. It's funny because I just watched this two nights ago. Um, yeah, I can't either. It's the potatoes. Gonna have to edit these awkward silences uh, it's out. No
0: problem. <laughs> I'm very good at cleaning up. <laughs> um, what did he do? Let me pull. So he's bit. a second meal
1: with his wife, and she feeds him more gross stuff. It's not that there's another murder victim. Well, he sends someone. He sends somebody <gasps> okay. to. Okay, he truck sends stop. someone to that
0: diner where the he truck got somebody... stopped. And they right. confirm they saw someone matching the description of Rusk.
1: Right. They he get he but that's after he sends somebody to take a picture of Rusk, right? He sends somebody to take a picture of Rusk. They drive around the block real slow and they take a picture yeah, of Rusk. Why did he want to go? And then he sends Rusk. the guy with the picture of Rusk to uh to the diner, and that's where they confirm that Rusk was there that night, and then he's like, Oh, damn. I mean, Uh, It's because what's-his-name was screaming the whole time that it was Rusk. That's what it was. That's how they catch him. (laughs) Oh, my God, my brain. That's where they catch him. Right. He goes after Buddy throws him out. He's like, shit, what do I do? So we Sorry. forgot.
0: There's, okay. <laughs> There's so what happens we is. We jumped right to court. Like, oh, okay. yeah. It's my bad. Because I just <laughs> love that hard cut of he's just guilty now because he has no alibi. So <laughs> right, right, right. after he leaves, he has to leave the house where the people who will not give him an alibi are. So he runs to his only friend, Rusk, who says, I'll put you up in my house. And so he does. And he's in Rusk's house. And just about as he's about to open the drawer that contains the personal belongings to Babs, the police come in and arrest our lead. um, And that's when he goes to court and is found guilty. But his bag that he has is filled with evidence that has been planted there by Rusk. And this now clues in uh, Richard, our protag, to say, it's rusk. Oh, it was rusk. It's definitely which, which, rusk.
1: Realistically, Rusk didn't need to do that. And there's no real time in the movie for him to do that, so it's a bit of a leap that he did yeah. that. But Rusk didn't need to do that. Like it wasn't a nail in the coffin that was needed. Like the cops were really convinced at they this had point that it, that it was our boy. Yeah. So Rusk kind of like shoots himself in the foot there a little bit by doing that because then all of a sudden Our protagonist is tipped off, and he just starts screaming, it was Rusk, it was Rusk. The whole time he's in court, he's like, it was Rusk, it was Rusk. So they're, like, banging the gavel. He would have got away with it. And he's like, damn it, Rusk, I'm going to get out of jail, and I'm going to find you, and I'm going to kill you. And, uh, yeah, so that's why the guy starts thinking of Rusk. We got there, folks. (laughs) Took a minute. Took a minute (laughs)
0: to remember that's where okay. So like you said, the detective has a picture taken of Rusk. They go to the diner. They confirm he was there the day that the potatoes were. And so now they say, okay, let's test. They test like something else, and they find potato.
1: They find potato dust on uh something in his house or something. Yeah, whatever. Know, but they find more
0: more. They find more
1: evidence, evidence that it was him. So meanwhile, our dude is in jail. And like he's in prison, and the prison guards are walking him past a flight of stairs, and he just throws himself <laughs> yeah, down, those guys. down the flight, nose times down the stairs, and busts his head open. And then the the jail people are like, "Oh, we got to send him to the hospital." So they send him to the hospital, and uh, he goes to a room that is like full of other prisoners, right? And so the cops, it's kind of it's kind of well filmed because like. Two things are happening simultaneously. The cops are kind of like circling around and getting closer and closer and closer to Rusk. Meanwhile, our dude is like staging this prison break from prison jail. Uh, no, not prison jail, prison hospital. Yeah, you know, and he and his prison buddies, who you don't know who they are or how they know him or why they agreed to help with these prisoners. They all take their sleeping pills. They put it in the guard's coffee. The guard passes out. He puts on a doctor's office and just strolls right out of the hospital like it was nothing. Goes to Rusk's place. Grabs a tire
0: iron. And, okay, I get it. You're mad at the guy. Right. So he goes into Rusk's apartment. He sees someone lying in in the bed. bed, Right? And at this
1: point, I don't know what you were thinking. I think it's not him. It has it's the Rus- blonde hair. I was thinking it was Rusk's mom.
0: <laughs> it's Rusk's mom. That would have been amazing.
1: <laughs> Rusk's mom was in the movie for like I two heard- seconds God. earlier for no reason. He's just like, this is my mom. And he brings that her to the window. his mom been in the bed. I would have given this a 10 out of 10. <laughs> I thought for sure it was the mom. So without looking to s- confirm that it's Rusk, our dude just starts wailing on the thing with the tire iron bang 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 with the tire iron. And then he kind of has a moment and he stops for a second and he pulls the sheet down off the the face and oh it's another necktie murder victim who kind of looks like Britney Spears. But the thing like the tongue hanging out, the whole shebang, you know, like she's dead. She's and dead.
0: Fortunately for him, she's already dead. She's already dead. He'd he feel pretty crummy iron. had he just he puts her, KO'd her with a couple, tire iron. <laughs> she's got a couple welts,
1: <laughs> welts on her
0: forehead from where he whacked her with the tire iron. In bus our police officer who's like, oh, and he sees him over this dead body, wrench in hand or tire iron in hand. He's like, oh, I was wrong. It is you. And but then our guy is like, no, no, it's. No, there's a thumping thump, right thump and he's like, Shh. he gives him the sign and the police officer hides behind the door and in comes Rusk with a giant. What do you call those? Just a big piece of luggage as he's getting trunk. ready. A trunk. There we go. A trunk. And he's getting ready to load his latest victim in it. When he sees the police officer, he sees our protagonist and the police officer says, Mr. Rusk. You're not wearing your tie. And then that's the end of the movie. The credits, that's it.
1: <laughs> Rusk, Rusk gets got, and the movie ends.
0: Yeah, I have to say... This was
1: pretty good. <laughs> like, I've, I've, yeah, yeah. I've kind of I've become used to these like sudden Hitchcock endings now, you know, like, like somebody says. I like something, a sudden
0: engine, and it, it's better than Wes going back to court. And you know, Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. He does
0: not believe in the
1: denouement. Like, it's just like, no, that's, sometimes that's done. he does. It's
0: weird. Like, he has like a, there's times where his movies end perfectly where it's just like, boom, that's the end, that's the high note. And then there's other times where there's just one too many scenes. I really didn't need that, and right. this one ends when it needs to. Uh, now, because of the content, it's certainly not for everyone. No, uh, I even found myself this movie kind of stuck with me and haunted me a little bit. Like I couldn't stop thinking about it, and because I was sad for the victims in the film, and I just thought it was, I it was sad, and but. I think this is really well made, with the exception of his friends who won't give him an alibi. Um, There's imagery in
1: the film that that does stick with you, you know, and, and like the lovely, lovely thing. I made a joke earlier that I was following my wife around I, the house saying "lovely, lovely," and she really doesn't like it. I don't blame uh, her. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have dents
0: in your forehead. <laughs>
1: But I mean, like it, the reason is because it's stuck in my head like a song, you know, like it, yeah. made, it made a definite impression with me. I um, So, yeah, there are some some real moments in this movie. Um, it reminds me like I think I mentioned it before, uh, before you you did the birds, the moment where they open. I think it's like the door and there's the guy in there with his eyes gouged out. Oh, yeah. Like that. I saw that when I was like eight and I still remember, you know, I still remember that Have you image. seen it
0: recently? No. Okay. Tess and I did that episode, and we laughed at it because it has not aged well. <laughs> you can see the makeup on his closed eyes. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it, it horrified me in 1970. Oh, I, I have things like that,
0: too. <laughs> I loved the performances. As I said at the top of the show, I think of our four major characters and I mean, if you count the, the, the policeman and his wife, like everybody is entertaining to watch. There's no boring parts in the movie. The potato thing drags a little, but he's trying to recover an item from a dead body. How boring is it really coming off? And again, this could just be me coming off a of Topaz, which is again, the worst two hours of filmmaking in a long, long time. And it is viciously boring. And this was anything but. So, do I recommend you watch it? No. <laughs> but if you're an idiot and you're watching every single one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies in order, there are far one worse be, ones than this one. This yeah. one you'd be, oh, thank you. Like, it was tough to watch, but not because it was boring and horrible. No. I did like it at certain
1: points. The filmmaking did seem kind of old to me. Like, when I thought about films that were made around that era, and I'm thinking in terms of like The Godfather and you yeah. know, like other early 70s films that you think of as like classics of the time. When you watch them now, they feel a little more modern than this movie does. You know, like it definitely feels like something out of time. It just by its harshness and 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 you know,
0: there its vivid, were much worse, harsher films in the 70s.
1: Yeah, it, it just like the, the 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 form of the film felt I think... like something that could have been filmed in the 1950s. I did notice that he moves the camera a lot more in this movie than he had in other films mm-hmm. of his that I've watched, you know, for your show um there the camera seemed to be in motion like a lot more as opposed to just these still shots you know or zoom shots you know in this case it's like sliding around moving sideways yeah like zipping here there and everywhere which i enjoyed but there's still it's something still felt kind of old-fashioned i think that holds
0: true for i mean the last few movies torn curtain um uh, topaz for sure topaz isn't good in any era um but i did i do feel that and i know what you mean even though i have a hard time putting a finger on it exactly yeah um because i can feel i think the it would be the other movies feel a little more organic um and there is something uncanny valley ish about some of his work yeah i th- that's a great way of putting it yeah it it no matter
1: how visceral the moments are or how virtuosistic, whatever the hell the word is, yeah. uh, the camera, the camera shots are and so on, there is still an element of I'm watching a show. You yeah. Know, when like, like, you,
0: All the stuff with the police officer and his wife, the whole thing about the food. Uh, I, I think I think specifically the thing that comes to mind is the shot uh, after that first murder with her tongue hanging out. It just really takes you out of what's no, happening. Yeah. And, no
1: one would ever accuse him of being like a Robert Altman naturalistic dialogue, you know, yeah. craftsman of that nature. You know, there's definitely a very Hollywood, I'm going to say my line. And now I'm going to say my line. You know, like it's it's very... Uh, perform performance-like. Yeah, you know?
0: and this is his second to the last film, his penultimate, if you will. And yeah. so, at this point, he is probably pretty set in his ways. This is how I've always made movies. Right. And um, even though this one's rated R, and I can't think of another movie like this in his library, um, I think it very much stands out in his movies. Like, there are a lot of them I can point out and be like, that movie, like, Sabotage is a whole heck of a lot like blackmail. Um, and they just kind of have these themes that run through them all. And this one, I think, doesn't have that. I, d- I think it's very different from his other works, uh, at least as far as what the story is.
1: Yeah, I see that. I read an interesting article today about the duality of the two main characters. And, and also the duality between the two women and like the parallels between them and yeah. so on. And, and uh, it's basically talking about how both of the male characters in the film are motivated by their jealousy for each other, which is interesting. You know, yeah. like our protagonist is definitely kind of jealous of Rusk and how he's got it all together and he has a business and he has his pin and he has like his life, all, all of his ducks are in a row, you know, but then Rusk, on the other hand, is jealous of our guy and his relationships with these women who are "quote" his kind of women, you know. And uh, I don't know. It was interesting. It, yeah, it, it was all about like how how One similar is they were hand, in some way. The ways, other is you know not.
0: exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that, and I think the performance of Rusk is brilliant because at the beginning of the movie, you don't know who the killer is. Yes. And that, so when the scene, the reveal scene comes out, it, it blindsided me a bit. It was like, whoa, <laughs> like, okay. Like, I just, okay, he's the killer
1: Um, because he's- Yeah, when he showed, when he showed up in the office, I was like, oh, here's our guy. Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah, I, I knew right away where, where it was going. You know, it took its time getting there, but uh, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah,
1: it, it was, it was surprising because he is such a charmer. You know, and the, the actor himself is kind of charismatic and just seems like, yeah, I'll hang out with this guy. This seems all right. You yeah, know. I think it's.
0: Yeah. Uh, it and, you know, your they, make sense, friends, right? they, yeah, they, they make sense as friends, right? They just feel like they have uh, chemistry there. So um, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I, again, big, big, you know, trigger warning on this one. Um, oh, I for called for I sure. called Marnie. A two-hour trigger warning. I did not know that this was still to come. Um, yeah, there, there are there are definitely a, a
1: lot of aspects of this movie that would not fly in this day and age. Oh uh, yeah, you know, um, it, not not just the sexual assault, which I do think is still depicted well, we, in film somewhat regularly. Yeah, yeah, no. it, and I it, think it's, it's more, even done
0: more viciously. Right. It's yeah. Uh, it. I, I. Again, I go back to the lady with the dragon tattoo. I was in the theater with my sister watching that, and I was so horrified <laughs> at that. Well, assault I mean, scene.
1: maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what wouldn't stand up today is the fact that it's not horrifying enough. You know, like she doesn't fight back. She yeah. doesn't. You know, she is passive Man. all the way up until her own death. You know, like maybe that's the piece that modern audiences might be offended by. Like, you know, that that these women do perform just as objects for his pleasure, even when it just means they're going to die, you yeah. know? Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you, you're almost done. You got one I got more. one left, baby. You got that? one more. How are you feeling now in retrospect? Are you glad you took this whole thing on? Yeah, because
0: now I've watched them all and I've been through a lot of emotions. <laughs> 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 I recognize that he is not a genius. He's just made so many movies that a he's gotten good at it and b you're going to have a hit once in a while. Right. And right. I just I would never do it again. I would certainly never do it solo. And and anyone mm. who's listening can see like this last 2 months I book guests for every episode because I was burnt out. I hit a point where I just did not want to record solo anymore, um, and so yeah. I as far as the podcast portion, I think I'm a better podcast now. Yeah. Um, and I'm. I guess the real goal was to do something finite that I would finish. That's and awesome. With one week left, it's looking like that's going to happen. Right, yeah, you're going to get her done. Oh, yeah, and so that's feels good. But also, this last month has been a trudge. Like, I've been wanting to just... I'm so, We're recording a little earlier than I normally would. I was glad because I'm like, mm, maybe I can get the last one in this weekend. I'm ready to be done with yeah. the, the additional podcast in my life. Um, but as far as, like, watching all of Hitchcock's movies, the man started in 1920. Five, four or five, I can't remember exactly, in the 20s. And his last movie is 76. Yeah, there's a gap between this one and the last one. Yeah, he is now sort of firmly in this uh, auteur phase, if you will, where he he takes a couple years between movies now, whereas it used to be you'd get two movies a year, sometimes right. three. Um, 69, so right at, or no, no, sorry, 76. So, A 50 year career of film, and you go from the silent era to the early talkies to where you're firmly in this black and white era where cinema really hasn't changed that much for a while. Then you get to color with rope, um, and then you know you just keep going and you kind of get this history of cinema almost. Yeah, Um, I mean, he's wrapping
1: up in like the Star Wars era. Yeah. Right? Like 70, 76. Like that's, that's blockbuster territory now, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think he would have had a hard time keeping going. Um, cause like you said, his stuff feels old. Um, he's got an old school way of doing it. Um, and I, I, and I would never say I idolized Hitchcock. I've just, I've always loved the movie psycho. Um, and, uh, sort of had a, uh, Romantic idea of that Hitchcock just made bangers, yeah, and now I know for certain that's not the case. Um, right, the hits are fewer than the misses, and I think I have less respect for him <laughs> having watched all of his films. Uh, but I would still, am I a fan? No, I, I wouldn't say so. But Psycho and North by Northwest are masterpieces, magnificent films. Uh, that anyone can watch and enjoy. Specifically, I'm not going to say. But
1: well, I mean, yeah, I mean, look at look at like the greats of our time. Like look at Spielberg, for example. You know, like some massively successful films, some like definite bona fide classics, and a lot of them. But they there's some hook going on in there too. You know, whoa, whoa, always whoa, whoa, there always is in Whoa, 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 whoa! No, no, Rufio was bad.
0: We don't like her. these. Are all incorrect statements? <laughs> we here at Hitchcock chronologically do not endorse <laughs> the statements because if you're going to point at Spielberg, you point at an AI, you point at a Ready Player One.
1: No, no, those are both better than oh, Hook.
0: Oh no. no! It looks like we're doing you're Spielberg. You're telling dog. me that <laughs> Dustin Hoffman and hook coming up is next bad? Year. You're out yes, of your mind. That's terrible. You're out of your terrible. mind. When?
1: Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell. It's terrible. Oh, it's unwatchable. Of your mind. I love
0: that film. It warms my heart. Toodles <laughs> loses his marbles. So, before we derail into anything else, tell people where they can find you, where to listen to you all that good stuff.
1: Sure, sure. So, uh my name is Eric Hodder. I write for gamingnexus.com. Uh, we also have a, a podcast called the gaming Nexus show. We've gone bi-weekly. Now it is no longer weekly. And, uh, we, we kind of refocused and retooled the show into something that I think is, uh, better than it was. Um, and then I also have a YouTube channel. It's just Eric underscore hotter. Eric with a C. hotter is H a U T E R. Uh, you can check that out. I'm usually playing video games, either new releases or stuff that hasn't come out yet. um, and yeah that's me man and you can also
0: follow me at eric underscore hotter on twitter there you go all those links will be in the description uh you of course know you can find me on twitter at podcast by jeff uh that's it that's fine i mean you can listen to my other movie podcast uh the movie draft house find me on budget arcade everywhere you get your podcast next week is the finale of hitchcock chronologically and i've had different things i want to do but it's going to be a little different. We're going to have a guest. We're going to review the movie. And then I've got some other little things I want to do just as sort of a send-off. And one of those things is that uh, I am in a unique perspective, a or, or unique situation where I am able to, within a relatively short amount of time, rank all 52 of Alfred Hitchcock's oh, films. Oh, snap. That's awesome. Uh, because I can't think of anyone who's probably seen them in this short of a time that would have them this fresh in their memory. So I'm going to rank all 52 and I'm going to do my best to not let too much of my own bias in, but I've also going to hand out a couple hidden gems to a handful of films that I think maybe you haven't heard of. And uh, you could seek out if you want to find something a little fun and different in Hitchcock's back catalog. So uh, it'll be a fun week next week, and uh, I'm ready to be finished. But I'm also kind of sad because <laughs> I did it. Yeah. So anyway, well, if, nobody,
1: if if nobody else says it, congratulations. Oh, man. congratulations! It's quite an have. achievement. I'm. I'm. I'm jealous a little bit oh that, you know. i
0: could tag you in. you could do it next year <laughs> i've got the formula set for you there's 52 weeks november's going to be filled with bangers and uh you know and i'm good i'm yeah. good you sure um I'm, yeah I'm the fine. silent movies aren't that bad listen <laughs> i'll tell you right now when i do my top 52 hitchcock films there's going to be some talkies below some of those silent films wow so don't worry uh that'll be fun so anyway i Next week, we're going to review Family Plot, the final Alfred Hitchcock film and the final episode of Hitchcock Chronologically. Thank you, Eric, for joining me one more time. And I'm sure we'll find another time to record something about something.
1: Oh, I hope so. Probably
0: just a podcast where we'd say how wrong you are about Hook. But until (laughs) then, thank you for listening to Hitchcock Chronologically, and I'll see you next week.